welcome to the show. You are listening to the We Podcast, where we speak, we grow, we rise. I'm your host, Sarah Moneris, and I'm passionate about creating community and providing a space for speaking authentic truth, growing together, and rising above the challenges and into the full power of all we were created to be. This week on the We Podcast, I get to chat with Samantha Franzen. Samantha is a wife and mother to two little girls and has been holding down the fort as the executive director of household operations and fun for her family since the birth of her first daughter in 2012. In recent years, she found her passion in health and wellness education through her blog, Decidedly So. She believes when it comes to living a healthier life that knowledge is power, but convenience is key. So she's working to make the journey toward healthier living a whole heck of a lot easier for the busy mamas of the world. She's also a Greeley native and loves building and growing meaningful relationships and community in her hometown in Colorado. This is a very raw and real interview. I've always admired Samantha's ability to be vulnerable and put it out there, which is what the WE podcast is really all about. She talks candidly about the events that led up to her own health issues and being told she would have to live a massive life of medication or have a complete hysterectomy at the age of 18. Her journey is a challenging one, and what I love the most is that she calls it her redemption story. I also love that she has an awesome laugh, and she makes me laugh when she laughs. So even though we talk a lot about the hard, there is a ton of laughing going on. So let's do this. You're going to love it. Here's my interview with Samantha. Samantha, uh, actually, pronounce your last name for me. It's Franzen. Franzen. I don't know why I thought it was Frazen for some reason. <laughs> it's wrong. And um, there, it is it's German. Franzen. Right. Franzen. I love it. Hi. Uh, okay. So I yes. think that's probably where the motherland, how they pronounced it, was like Franzen, but mm. Franzen. Franzen, because we get all, you know. Yeah, <laughs> we change it for sure over time. <laughs> I inherited this name, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, it is not your maiden name. Yes, yes. All right, so Samantha Franzen. Now I will never Franzen. See, I still can't. I know. Now I'm totally curveballing you. <laughs> like, I wait a minute. Samantha we'll just Franzen. say Samantha. Yeah, Samantha Franzen. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm super, super excited to have you. And I was thinking about who do I want to have as a guest on my show coming up in the next few weeks. And you are one of the very first ones that popped into my head. So I know we ha- we don't know each other super, super well, but I'm going to get to know you better. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Because we will be 
collaborating together on a project here in the future that we yeah. just found out about. But um, we did get to go to coffee together once and live in the same area, which is so, so cool. And I just know that you have a remarkable story and you also are touching women in a huge, beautiful way. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me on. It's absolutely, when you sent me the message, I was like, wait, does she really mean me? Like, it's an absolute <laughs> honor to be included in working together and collaborating with other women who are just doing um, such great things to inspire and lift up other women. So I am excited to be here and to have a little heart to heart today. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> me too. It's the best. <laughs> yes. And of course I mean you. Of course. <laughs> you know, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes those are our little, our own little gremlins where you're like, wait, am I, I don't know that I'm that big of a deal. Like, <laughs> and not to say, like, not to say that I'm a big deal by any means, but just that you know, I think that sometimes you forget that, um, you are having an impact and then people reach out to you and, and those are the things that just keep you going, that lift mm -hmm. you up and inspire you and encourage you to keep chugging along. So just know that you are one of those people for me now that has, you know, just kind of boosted my morale a little bit more and is, is encouraging me to then continue doing what I'm doing because it's obviously speaking to women and I'm excited about that. Oh, good. And you are a big deal, girlfriend. <laughs> I'm a big deal. You're a big deal. It's <laughs> cool. We need to own it, right? <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> a little bit. Just start putting it up on my wall. I am a big deal. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Yes. Well, we met through a mutual friend, which uh, before we started recording, we were talking about how nothing's an accident. And I totally agree with that. She kind of said, you two need to connect with each other. Right. So uh, I'm grateful for that for sure. Me too. Yeah. It's funny how all those things tend to come together that, like you said, there's, there are no accidents that things just, you get those little nuggets, those little, those little reminders. And, and I personally believe that it's God and that those are those ways of just doors or windows or cracks that open that, um, help you further discover kind of what your true, your true meaning, your true, um, your true drive in life is supposed to be so mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah. You are actually the one who turned me on to the book. The universe has your back when we went to coffee together. Yes. And I think I got it like right after that. Um, or maybe not, maybe I was a slacker and I waited a little bit. <laughs> can't remember. Uh, <laughs> you only had like a thousand million things going on in your world that was right when your daughter was graduating so I'm pretty sure True. I was watching everything going on and I was like oh man I don't know how she's doing it all but then you were very transparent in that process too in in sharing like hey this has been a hard season this has been a hard month and and that that vulnerability is so important too hmm. thank you thanks yeah. that's helpful for me to hear too yeah, and I've always appreciated that about you as well as your your vulnerability and your ability to just put it out there and be real and be transparent. And I definitely something that has attracted me to you for sure. Um, just your your heart to to say this is what it's really like because I think it's so easy for us to get caught up in the you know the perfection of this is what I want my life to be. 
not this is what's really going on. <laughs> oh, yes. And social media has a, a really great way of doing that. And um, I think I'm seeing more and more women that are, you know, that are recognizing that, that are seeing, and, and even in my own personal feeds and things like that, I think when I started some of my social media stuff that I was um, encouraged by different coaches or things like that to like have perfect pictures and all of it has to look beautiful. And some of that can be really um, discouraging for women who are thinking about doing something, you know, whether it's, you know, an Etsy shop or if it's starting a small business or any of those things that I think there was like this stopping point where a lot of people were like, well, I can't do that because I can't make pictures like that. And I can't, I'm not a photographer and I'm not all these things. And, and, and really like the real, the real pictures that I share are the ones that always resonate with people most that people are like, oh my gosh, I love that. Your daughters are so cute. Or, you know, it's like, I have my, one of my pictures where my daughter's pinching my nose and I'm making a silly face. And, you know, just, those are the things that people are really looking for. Cause it, that's, we're lacking connection. Social media is such an incredible tool, but um, mm -hmm. there has been in, as some of that has been developing is that there's this like lack of, of true genuine connection. And so, but people are looking for that. All of us desire that in our lives, I feel. And we want mm -hmm. to, we want to find a community where we belong. We want to find people who speak to our hearts. And so as I have become more transparent and I try to share more of that. I feel like uh, I have more women who are like, thank you so much for sharing that. Or that's, that's me. Like you're in my head or, you know, the, those are the responses that you get because, and then, it, and then that leads to relationships that develop and grow, even if it is through social media, but that it's not, it's not this like surface level, everything's great. And my pictures are so beautiful and look how perfectly contoured my, <laughs> My makeup. Right. <laughs> like, you know, here I am doing the mom thing and it's not looking so hot today. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's so true. Yes. Well, I think it's a way to connect authentically through social media is putting out that the realness there as well. It's interesting because I used to be super private and scared of social media. Very, very, very scared. <laughs> I, I like me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the more I do and the more I put out there for sure, the more it encourages me because now I have amazing friends and I can really legit legitimately call them friends all over the world because of that, that ability to just put it out there and be real. And then you do get the, the feedback and it's so awesome. I totally agree with you. We are definitely lacking connection for yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. I went through, I went through a similar situation with that where i I actually had someone who was following me on Facebook that was like, a, like a troll, essentially, like somebody who it was a fake profile. It was, and it really freaked me out. Like it, it, it made me kind of shut down a little bit, not want to share at all, especially when it comes to, you know, when it comes to your kids and things like that, that there's a, there's a nervous factor there. But I also feel like, um, after I came back out of some of that hiding a little bit, that 
it was like, you know, my information, we live in a, in a world and a society where somebody who really wants to get your information, you can go on and do a public record search, you know? And, and so mm -hmm. you're living in that state of fear where you're like, oh my gosh, someone's going to find me. They're going to find my kids. They're going to do this. They're like, I think that's a real, a real, that's a real concern for people when they're thinking about sharing their life um, on the internet or, or digging deeper into sharing on social media. But, you know, I am just so, I've decided that fear does not get to rule in my life. And that um, fear is the thing that time after time holds us where we're at. And, and so I, I felt like that was one of those times where a roadblock, a roadblock was put in front of me and I had an opportunity to break through and, and do something different and better and something that's encouraging and uplifting and supportive instead of allowing that fear to just keep me, keep me from shining, to keep me from sharing. I mm -hmm. think that we all have those things that come up in our lives and, and whether you believe that it's, you know, negative energy or, you know, whatever the belief system is behind there, it's like, in my world, I'm like, that's the devil, girl. <laughs> the devil's getting in there and like, doesn't want you to share your story. Doesn't want you to, um, to be able to be transparent and authentic because those are those, that's where connection is made. That is where, um, we thrive and we rise as a community and as a society. And, and, and so of course, of course, of course, there is something that would not want me to share my story and those obstacles will be put in front of me because I have been put here for a purpose and that purpose is continuing to evolve and and present itself in different ways for me but obviously it is to be sharing a message of hope and encouragement and inspiration and um and you know my my big platform is that I I'm I say that I'm a health and wellness educator and I'm working to make that process easier for for the busy women of the world and so but anyway, to, to be able to share those things on this scale, like imagine if that one little, that one little internet troll had been, you know, enough to make me just not move forward. So. Totally. Yeah. Oh man. I can totally identify. I started my blog in 2014 ish or no, I think I started writing my book in 2012. I'm still not done. <laughs> Like, I like bow down to anybody who can write a book because I think about it sometimes and those headlines and all those things. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I know, obviously I am the same. <laughs> well, he said he wins the race, lady. I, I know it's true, but I had a, I had around um, that time I had a stalker and it wasn't on actually social media. It was in my professional world. Um, oh. And it was terrible. It was a terrible situation, but it totally shut me down. Like I can completely identify with what you're saying and, and made me hold off even more. Like I need to protect myself more. So the thought of going public on social media was like, heck no. Right. Mm -hmm. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Well, but then my husband was like, how long are you going to let this person rule your life? Mm, like, right. mm, yeah. It's true. They have total control and power over me. Darn those husbands. Sometimes they're just, <laughs> they don't always say it perfectly at the right time, but I'll be darned if 99% of the time, the things that my husband says to me aren't like, okay, you're right. You win. You, you win. You always do. 
It's so true. (laughs) And it is not always the best timing or the best words used. (laughs) There have been less than delicate conversations that have occurred in my season of entrepreneurialism with my husband where I'm like, I could have done without like that that way. (laughs) Maybe you could have sugarcoated it just like maybe like given me just even an eensy weensy like a grain or two of sugar would have would have been nice that a little better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, yes. oh, I love it. Yes, yes. So I think most women listening right now can probably <laughs> relate to that. <laughs> yeah. That's the beauty of those counterparts sometimes. That's <laughs> true. So true. Well, let's dive into you because this is all about you and your story and kind of what brought you here. And I know there's been some bits and pieces, but I would love to go back to kind of your background. And I know that you had some health challenges and those are pretty pivotal moments for you. So why don't you give us kind of like the highlight reel of kind of what's brought you to where you are today. Cool. Yeah, my my journey has been one full of its own its own gremlins of life. Um but I think a lot of uh, without going too far into like all of my sad story of things that happened in childhood or all of those things but um I think what I started realizing as I was entering into my years of puberty um I I struggled a lot with really, really painful periods and my cycles were always very uncomfortable. And I kind of had parents that were just like, Oh, this is normal. This is part of the process. And, but it kept getting worse. And it, it all kind of culminated when I was 18, 19 years old. And, um, finally I had somebody say, okay, this is not normal. I went to the emergency room with so much pain and it was like, there's nothing wrong with you. We don't know what's wrong with you. You need to see your OB. And finally they did, um, a laparoscopic exploratory surgery for me to just, cause it's like, why is that the only way that we can diagnose endometriosis in women? Like, but come to find out there <laughs> that I had endometriosis. And so I have a family history of that. Like my aunt had struggled through some stuff and come to find out my grandma and also her mom. And so there's definitely like a, there's like a genetic probably predisposition in our family to have some of um, these challenges happen. But I think a real turning point for me in my life and in my journey was then as I was working through a variety of different treatments, then with that endometriosis, I had like really extreme prescription medications that were given to me where like essentially they put my body into menopause and then I had side effects of like that medication and so was put on other medications and I just was in a little bit of this state time after time where I was feeling very much like out of control of my life a little bit like a zombie and just to clarify for everyone at this point you're super young yeah, I'm, right. nine, I'm 18, 19 right now. So, or not yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> this story, yeah. I, I was 18, 19 years old. And so I'm, you know, the conversations that are being had are like, well, you know, the only way that one of the only solutions that continued to present itself was a complete hysterectomy. And so you're looking at, you know, a girl that I'm, I'm barely in college. I 
obviously <laughs> at that point in time had not met a man worthy of being, <laughs> of marrying me. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, but I, you know, to, to talk about or, or even process the concept of never being able to have my own children. Um, that was, that was really overwhelming for me. And I ended up connecting with and getting um, tied into a specialist down in Denver. And it, this guy was supposed to be like the leading, the leading specialist in endometriosis. And he was actually on his way out of, um, out of his long career. And it was really special that I had been able to get in to see him. And at our first appointment, his, his, I don't know what, what a diagnosis or his, um, what do they call that? A prognosis? Like when you put together, <laughs> when they put together your course of treatment, maybe that's what I'm looking for. So the treatments and the solutions that he laid out on the table were, um, they were going to implant a TENS unit into my lower back so that um, it would, I mean, TENS units help to block some of those nerve receptor type of things. So that would be helping with my pain. And then Botox injections, vaginally. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> Botox, which you're like, yeah. you're deadening nerve endings, you're, it, and, and then the, the real icing on the cake was then in addition to all of those other things in anti-seizure medication that um, was supposed to also help in some of this nerve blocking type of stuff. But then the side effects were, you know, an inability to focus or concentrate or in, in tiredness. And I'm like, I am a college student. Like I can't be tired and not able to focus. Like what am yeah. I? So I just remember being really like, I was in a lot of shock, I think, because for those to be my two options, neither a hysterectomy or that course, neither was a solution. And um, my mom actually was the person who like stepped in and just said, this is not okay. This is not, this is not living. This is not a solution. This is not, this isn't fixing you. This is just, this is, this is madness. And she actually um, ended up uh, having heard through a friend, because it always seems like that's how we wind up hearing about some of those things that turn our course a little bit is like, well, I have a friend that, you know, worked with this person. And um, she found a gal here locally who was a holistic practitioner. And it was like, well, and back then I was very mainstream minded in some of my approaches to medicine and, and health and wellness and and, you know, prescription medication seemed like the right answer. So it was kind of like, oh, this lady's like, googly boogly, like, <laughs> what is she gonna, and, and so, yeah, she, she ended up giving me some, uh, a different treatment, like some different supplements. And, and one of the biggest things was encouraging me to find like a practice of yoga and meditation and reducing stress in my life. And, eating better, like all of those things that are vital, they really are vital to um, our overall greater health and wellness, but that I wasn't taking time to do. And by switching some of those things up and working with her, I I started to see my pain finally um, decrease and alleviate. And it took some time, but you know, here I am now, how many years down the road, however <laughs> many years down the road, and I have, you know, my two beautiful baby girls that I can't imagine, I cannot imagine life without them. It, it physically hurts me to think about, you know, what if, what if I had, you know, gone through and, and I, and I had not sought another, what if my mom hadn't found this other person? And so a lot of that I think has inspired me to not only share my story, but 
really try to, like I said, um, I, I have really become passionate in uh, working as a health and wellness educator to help women um, just find easier solutions because my journey then was very long. Like, it, I mean, it, it was probably a decade long process for me to really find all of the right solutions. And, you know, when you get this, this like, well, you need to eat better. It's like, well, awesome, but let's talk about how long it takes to cut up a head of broccoli. <laughs> I, know, I know that I'm not alone in that. I know that that's a struggle for a lot of women who are trying to eat better or, you know, do all of these things that it's like, well, I say a lot. Um, one of my big taglines is that knowledge is power, but convenience is key. And so we have to make this process easier for people. We have to, hmm. we ha and, and not that it has to be like a complete easy button because there is work involved in anything that is, that is worthwhile. You have to put effort in, but that there are easier solutions and there are things that I have found that work really well and tips and tricks and all of those things that, that can like lead to a, a better, healthier life. And so I don't, I lost, I lost a little bit of my original <laughs> like, where was I going? Where did I go? <laughs> no, you're what good. Was, what was point A as I went down that tangent? <laughs> but that, you know, my mom was that big person that, 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 um, stood in the gap, if you will, that she stepped in and she was that person to help bridge this path for me into really being passionate about health and wellness. And it's always funny. Like I got this, so my degree that I got from, um, UNC was, uh, in political science. And I thought that I was going to, you know, go into lobbying or I was going to be doing something that was like involved in politics. And, and that didn't really happen after college. And I kind of settled into my husband's job was here and, and his career was growing in this area. And for me to be further pursuing like my political science degree further and getting involved in that, in that course of work, I was going to have to be in Denver or commuting. And those weren't things that I wanted to be doing. But it's really beautiful how, you know, nothing is, is wasted and that I am doing some of that advocacy work that I am lobbying for change in my own way, just without having to be involved in the dirtiness that is, <laughs> that is politics sometimes, that I get to be involved in that grassroots level and, and nothing is for naught. Like I, I'm, I'm using that in a way now that ties into this health and wellness journey my mom helped me start and so yeah, I think that's kind of maybe the the long of how I got where I am now. And so now I I have a blog, decidedly so, where I just really um, am passionate about inspiring and encouraging women that you know you can do this, like <laughs> this is doable, and and here are the ways to help make that process possible. So mm -hmm. yeah, so I can only imagine. Like I think about I have. Uh, endometriosis also but I didn't find out until I was like I don't know how old am I I don't even want to say I was probably no I think like 35 ish but you know I was at the age where I was like okay great take out my uterus that's amazing <laughs> you know um, and it was a super uh, well, not super easy, but it was a much easier decision. To, yeah. And now I'm so glad I, I did it, but I can't even imagine being faced with that, like pre children and, uh, yeah, I, I, I just can imagine how difficult that must've been. And thank goodness that your mom 
didn't take that for an answer. I think we take doctor's words as gold, mm. like a lot in our society. If the doctor says it, then that must be <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. not, and you know, I by no means am like a down with doctors because I think there are really amazing doctors um, yeah. in this world, and obviously they're they're passionate about helping people that they don't want to. I don't think they want to see people in pain either, but that we have um, in our like kind of allopathic focus of medicine that we're constantly looking for like a prescription pill or a, a you know it's kind of like. A, a, we don't want to do the dirty work of really digging into what is at the, what is at the root? What is the cause of this? Mm -hmm. and, and so we kind of sometimes have this tendency to try to put a bandaid on it instead of, instead of really getting to the heart of the issue. And, you know, it's hard to say exactly what was the thing that, that um, triggered my endometriosis. I think a lot of it, you know, I, when I started out my story of like not wanting to go too far into like all of my childhood stuff, but I think, you know, emotions are so tied into our health and wellness. They, mm -hmm. there's no way, like you can eat super great. You can exercise all you want. You can be using all of the right products and all of the right things. But if your mind and your soul are not well, you are getting, you're going to get nowhere. And I think that that's one of the big things that I came to learn about myself is that I'd spent my entire childhood just like in my early teen years putting on this face of like, everything's good. I'm so good. Like, it's fine. I'm good. Everything's awesome. Like <laughs> really inside I was, I was hurting in a major way. I had a lot of hurts that were below the surface that I wasn't sharing with anybody that needed to be addressed and, and taken on. And so, um, being able to do those things then in conjunction with, you know, reducing stress levels and, um, and eating better and, you know, just all of those factors, then, um, they play a part, you know, it's, yeah. it, it, there's no, there's no way, there's no easy way around, around it. And so we have doctors a lot of times that they don't, they can't dig into all of that entirely because they're limited on time and they're mm -hmm. seeing a lot of people and, so I think there are a lot of people who, um, you know, are more functional medicine doctors or um, holistic practitioners, naturopaths um, that are all, you know, MD worthy and, and most of them have like an MD certification, but is that right? An MD certification, like their degree, yeah. <laughs> they have a medical degree, but mm -hmm. then they've chosen to take a different approach and try to really look at some of those, um, some of those emotional, spiritual, physical, um, all of the components all together rather than just like, okay, you're in pain. We can fix it with this. <laughs> so, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And I do, I not, I'm not trying to talk like negatively about doctors. I think that, um, there are amazing doctors for sure. And I think that maybe our society in general is kind of getting away from, and I hope, like, I really hope that this is true, the such, like, black and white way of thinking mm -hmm. that maybe looking more at incorporating other ways to look at things or, like, more of the other philosophies of medicine, not just, you know, the pure mm -hmm. medical model. So I think 
I think that's awesome. And I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, oh, we want easy all the time. And <laughs> I mean, I see it all the time with my clients. Like, I just want to come in and I want you to fix me. That's a huge one. I want you to wave a magic wand over me and make everything better. And I don't want to, I really don't want to do the hard work. And, um, that's not the way it works, unfortunately. Right. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think, I think there is such a, I don't know, like our society as a whole, sometimes that it's, I always have joked that like, we have this fast, cheap and easy mentality. Like mm -hmm. we want it as fast as we can. We want it um, as inexpensively as possible. And we want it to be without any effort really. And, and like you said, that's not, that's not possible. I talk a lot about convenience because I think there is a difference between things being convenient and being easy. Like I, I don't know exactly like they're, they're similar and yet you can have something be easier without it being like, you know, wave the magic wand. Cause totally. anything, like I said earlier, anything worth doing is worth working on or working towards. And, and it doesn't always feel good. <laughs> like it's life, life, doesn't always feel good, but it is in those moments of, of struggle, of challenge, of, of turmoil that really we are, I don't know, we are, we are tested in the flames kind of, and we come out stronger. I like you, you go into the kiln and you come out, you come out, you come out better, like more mm -hmm. cold water or to be a different style or a different version of, of yourself and, and a better vessel. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. So true. Yeah. So I want to go back uh, for a second. I know you said you didn't, you don't want to dive into your childhood stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I'm a therapist. You. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not therapizing you. However, no, <laughs> but I do think I, I want to go back to that because I think it's so important and you, you kind of touched on it a little and I, I just want you to, to, tell us a little bit more about it how like early childhood trauma and I don't know if you have early childhood trauma it kind of sounds like you're alluding to that <laughs> but the box <laughs> you don't have to tell us everything <laughs> but I <laughs> but how seriously because this is why I want to talk about it because I have early childhood trauma I know how I lived my life not dealing with it for sure. And it was not pretty. So I think it can cause, or it can take a toll on our life in so many ways, but you're also saying how it can take a toll on your life physically mm. as well. And I don't think that that piece is talked about nearly enough. Right. So, yeah, I think, I think one of my big things that over the years I have discovered and you know, it's always, it's always hard when you like address or talk about or talk through some of these things, especially like on a public forum where people can <laughs> access and it's like, I'm sorry, mom. Like, mm -hmm. no, but, um, but yeah, I had parents that divorced when I was two and a half and, um, and parted ways and, you know, moved on their own paths in life. And, so I think from a very early age that I received a message of, um, there was abandonment and there was, um, kind of some of that story of like, 
not being worthy of love or I don't know a lot of those I think that's a very common story that children tell themselves when there's a divorce scenario that you know somebody left and then and then sometimes that message can be can be further driven home or perpetuated by one parent or the other and mm -hmm. I had some of that occur in my life where you know my 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 mom shared some of that like your dad left that was the story that I always that I always heard my dad left he left us he and that's a hard, that's a hard story. So some of that was planted. And then I had um, a stepfather that was not a good man. <laughs> and without going into all of that story, he, he, he is not a good man. He is a very bad person. And, and there has been a lot of redemption in that story in recent years, but a lot of mental abuse that was occurring, especially with me, just um, stories of nothing you do is, is good enough, which turned me into like this achiever mm. that, I, that I still struggle with in my life sometimes that everything has to be, you have to do things. It has to be perfect. It has to be, you know, you, and, and if it's not perfect, then it's not good enough and nothing you do is good enough. And so that's, I mean, mm. that was a, a tape that I played a lot in my life and I've continued to struggle with um, to a degree in my adult life. And I've had to challenge that as, as an adult, but that has, I mean, so then you internalize those things and, and having a family then. So sometimes I was living almost two different lives when I would switch between my, my houses with my parents. So in the one setting with my stepdad and my mom, I would be told, you know, I mean, it was, it was not good. It was not healthy. There were not good messages being encouraged there. And then on the other side with my dad and then my, my other mama, I don't even call her my stepmom. Like she is my mom as well. Um, mm -hmm. that there was, they were always like, like they went to Tony Robbins and they like, so we had kind of, I think I had mm. this real weird, um, juxtaposition. Is that right? A juxtaposition. Mm -hmm. The two houses where it was like in this one place it was like hell and I was so excited to leave and then go to my dad's house and then over there it was like they didn't know <laughs> they didn't know what was happening um they were very much in the dark and and so you know you get this like oh I'm putting on the good face because I have to put that on or or else you know or else there will be more trouble over here or um so yeah, I, I mean, that might be a little like revelation moment for me right there, Sarah, that <laughs> like, realizing maybe where some of that really um, originally stemmed from, but that, you know, it was that I had to kind of be this different, I had to be a different way. I had to be okay. I had to be good. I had to be all these things. And then, you know, my dad was a, you know, they, because they had this very like positive, my dad and mom have always been entrepreneurs and, you know, all these things. And, and my dad always wanted us to go to college because he didn't go to college and all these things. And so there was like this very perform, 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 like you have those, that like yucky storm of things going on where it's like, you're not good enough, but perform. And, mm -hmm. and then, I mean, yeah, I was a train wreck for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Especially like, I mean, you talk about uh, the negative, the negative things that come out of, um, some of those childhood trauma, some of that childhood trauma, I should say. And, you know, you, you make bad choices in life. You, you, you find escapes, you find for me, like finding men that were very like similar in ways to my stepdad. And, um, I could never be good enough for them. And I could never, 
I could never, I, I always loved, I just wanted to love and be loved and love me, love me, love me. And then, you know, you just give so much of yourself away trying to be loved by other people and be the right way for them and, and nothing mm -hmm. that you ever. So that was my, mm -hmm. that has been probably my biggest struggle in life in general has been this, this idea of, um, trying to, trying to be good enough for other people to try to be, um, worthy of love <laughs> from others. Mm -hmm. And so, so yeah. And then, you know, you talked about how that, how that then transforms into like internal physical pain. Well, you know, when you spend so much of your time trying to pretend that everything's okay. And yet, you know, you're struggling with, um, getting good grades and then failing to, you know, get those good grades and the stress involved in that. And, and just like, I, I was a total stress basket because I was constantly trying to, um, trying to get the grades or trying to be the right way or look the right way or feel the right way. And, and, and I got to a point then where I was just, I mean, physically and all of that then, manifested and whether, you know, I think that a lot of times we have a genetic predisposition in to certain things, whether it's, um, you know, cancer or, or endometriosis or any of those things. And sometimes you have the right environment then that triggers and, um, you allow not you, but your body is put into a place where it allows the perfect breeding ground for something like that to occur. And, um, for me, it was like, well, here's your physical pain. Like if you're not going to express your physical pain outwardly and you're not going to talk about it, you're not going to share about it. You're going to feel it so that mm. people and and Sarah, as we're talking about that, like, I think for a while that sometimes that physical pain that I was experiencing was almost like, it was almost like I was happy to have it from time to time because it, it allowed me to be not okay. Mm. That's, that's really, <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. I have like goosebumps. All. I love it. I mean, I really literally have goosebumps all over because it's so powerful and I can relate to it so, so, so much. Yeah. But it's kind of, you know, what you were just saying a second ago, it's kind of in relation to like so, why people self-harm though mm. too, right? Yeah. That, that, that pain is helpful for them in some ways when you can express you're you're not allowed to express and um it gives you an avenue to yeah. express mm -hmm. yeah absolutely well, and our bodies are so they're just so so much smarter than we give them credit for yeah. so if they're like screaming at us this needs to come out it's going to come out yeah. in some way yeah yeah, mm. yeah. man i can so relate i'm like ah I think we were like the same person. Wendy's <laughs> for the Wendy's. No, I not totally. That, not that yeah. that's a good thing, but at the same time, I mean, look at the the story of redemption in that as well. That here so you have true. two women who have been through hell, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously, I, did, I don't know as much about your story, but um, for, for me to be able to say, if it's anything like mine, like my heart hurts for you. And I empathize with you and I am so thankful that you, you know, that, that your story also gets to be one of redemption. And now your voice gets to be used in such a beautiful way to, um, inspire and encourage, and again, uplift women and help them know that they're not alone and that, you know, life isn't always beautiful. And just because you have, you know, I, I, you, you think about it and it's like, 
people with stories like yours or like mine, it's like, uh, we have every reason to basically be like drug addicts on the street, like dead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, True. Really, mm -hmm. there, are, there are times where I'm like, oh God. <laughs> I know, I know. I look back, I'm like, how did I live through that? Like, really? I, mm -hmm. But what a beautiful, um, what a beautiful story for others to know, like, you know, life, life isn't always roses and it isn't always pretty. And it's, but there is, there is redemption in mm. life and, and just keep moving. Like just, I always, <laughs> they're like the dory fish, the mm -hmm. just keep swimming, just keep swimming. <laughs> like, like that's always what I'm having in my head. Like, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so awesome. It's so yeah. true. Thank you for that. Thank you for your heart and for, for your words. I, I agree. The thing that's so amazing and, and this is why I created this space because I think people need to know mm. where where you've come from, where I've come from, where all of these amazing women who are doing things to lift other people and to help other people that they, I think people assume like, well, they must have had a perfect background. They must have had a perfect story. You know, they don't get a lot of times where the story began. And it's so powerful for us to be able to say, yeah, look what I've come through. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, I know that a large part of my life, even after I got less like hot mess-ish, um, <laughs> if that's a word, I don't know. It is a new word. I love it. I less hot mess-ish. <laughs> but as I was starting to, you know, not make the scary, scary decisions for myself. Um, I still was stuck in shame for mm -hmm. so long. Of, I did these things. I made these choices. It wasn't who I wanted to be. You know, that shame, this right here, us speaking about it and, and being able to be real, I think is the only thing that silences that shame. Mm. That's beautiful. I think I agree. I, and that's, that's one of the things that so many women struggle with that the shame story is what keeps, keeps, keeps us locked away. It keeps us, you know, we started this entire conversation about some of those, those, those gremlins or those demons or whatever it is, those things that get put in your life as ways of silencing or um, suppressing or, and, and shame is, shame is one of those in the biggest, baddest ways that it is one of the most effective tools for keeping us silent. Shame and fear. It's like those two things do more damage to um, women and uh, our society as a whole that keep us from keep us from doing better and, and rising above. And so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that with us because I feel like <laughs> a big question mark. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you're listening to this and you're happy that Samantha shared, I think she needs a little more reinforcement, but that was amazing. 
<laughs> no, but it's true. I, I, I totally get what you're saying too. Like my parents were a big, uh, well factor, not in all of it, but in a lot of my story growing up, my parents had a terrible divorce when I was 10, terrible, horrible divorce. And so I can totally relate on that level also. And I, but I remember like, it's difficult to say, this is my story. This is where I came from. When you're like afraid, if I'm real about this and if I tell, then I'm going to hurt them or, Mm. um, I'm going to, I don't want to speak badly about them. Or I remember really being stuck in a place of, if I say that I was hurt, does that mean I don't love them? Like Mm. not, not acknowledging it's, it's almost like at first thinking you can't have both. Mm. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. again, you talked earlier about like, we live in such a black and white society, especially, I guess it's like when you, when you're leading from like that place of empathy and understanding, and, and that's where I always try to lead from and everything that I'm doing is like, how would I feel in that situation is like nothing that you're ever doing is intended, is intended to hurt others, but it is a part of your story. And like, when I talk about, when I talk about my parents and I talk about my dad and I talk, you know, this idea of like, having to achieve the right grades and things like that, that, um, he didn't know what was going on on the other side of that. You know, he didn't, he didn't. And, and now it's like, that's a whole other ball game. Um, the anger and the resentment and the feelings and emotions that he deals with in, in that process. But like, I guess the biggest thing is, so I always say that like knowledge is power, right? So we, when we know better, we can do better. But when you don't, you don't know what you don't know, what you don't know can hurt you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and it can hurt others as well. What you don't know can hurt others. And so, um, he, you know, he didn't know, he didn't know the stories. He didn't know the, and he and I actually were able to really, when I was like, when I was 18, 19, working through all this endometriosis, I, I, I also was like, in a dark, dark hole, obviously you're dealing with pain like that. And, and I was severely depressed, um, and down at school and I didn't know what I was doing with my life. I left and I came home after my first semester of college. And that was really when I was trying to deal with all of the endometriosis and, and, and I was, I was in counseling. I cannot, I cannot advocate more for <laughs> finding a, a uh, licensed professional to help walk you through your journey. Like, please, like, Sarah, <laughs> she's the expert there. <laughs> but that, you know, working with somebody who can be the outside perspective, but in that journey was also able to sit down with my dad and like hear his story because I'd never heard his side of the story and really you know, I I had a whole different, um, understanding and, you know, at this stage in my life, my dad is one of my biggest, my biggest champions. He is the person that I call when a lot of the times when I need a sounding board or to bounce ideas off of somebody. And, um, he's one of my best friends. And I'm so, you know, that again, the story of redemption, like I, like we have had this hard, this hard thing that has then been um, used for good and, and to build our relationship and make it stronger because you're able to talk about the hard things too, though, you know, like we never would be there if I had never asked some of the questions that I asked, or, you know, I had not been afraid to, um, to share some of those. And so, yeah, I think, I think it's really, uh, it's so healthy. It's so healthy to 
to share and to communicate and to express feelings and emotions and um, and they should be guided. <laughs> like, I don't think ever that I would advocate for somebody to just like unload all of your baggage with someone, like mostly because if you haven't prefaced it properly or you don't, you know, so much of it can become accusatory. And I don't know, mm -hmm. you're, again, you're the expert there, but like, I <laughs> know no, you're amazing. I, you know, yeah. That, mm -hmm. Like, I think one of the most powerful things that I took out of counseling was it was like, well, I always was like, well, he made me feel, he made me feel, he made me feel. It's like, no, you interrupting that. Like no one gets to make you feel how anyway you feel mm -hmm. because, and yes, the things that that person does can, can create a response in you and emotion in you, but they can't make you feel a certain way. You are the only person that gets to decide how you feel and, and what defines you. And that yeah. was, you know, that's something now that I feel like I take into my own parenting and I'm trying to, you know, lay that foundation early for my girls that it's like, it's okay. And, and I really am trying to, um, create and facilitate an environment where they feel comfortable to share, share their feelings to say, I feel sad because, or, you know, mm -hmm. I feel hurt because, and, and helping them own their feelings and their emotions now in life so that they're not 19, 20 years old trying to figure out, you know, what, like, well, I, he, he hurt my feelings. Like, no, he didn't. You felt hurt because of what he did, but, but he doesn't control that. He doesn't control you. <laughs> yeah. It's huge. Taking back your power. Yeah. Your right. own personal power. Yes. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is such an incredible gift to give to yourself. And honestly, I think the only way that, uh, that you can, I think that there are a lot of ways that you can start working in that direction, that there are, you know, tools and, and there's personal development out there and good books that you can read. But I cannot tell you how many times in all of those books that I have read time and time again, that people are like, get a therapist find a counselor, like find a trained professional. I, I mean, Gabby Bernstein, she advocates for that. Um, Rachel Hollis, who I absolutely love. She advocates for that. Um, there are so many people that are like, yes, I can tell you these things, but you also got to dig in to your yucky and you got to, got to pull some of that out with, with a trained professional. <laughs> so yeah, totally. Yeah. Brene Brown advocates yeah, for totally. counseling. Totally. I know, me too. She's like my hero. No, but I, that's such a good point though, too. I, I think that unfortunately counseling has such a negative connotation for people. And I, I, I hope it's getting better. Like the stigma for so long was you only go to counseling if like there is a serious mental health diagnosis. I can, I went to counseling. I still go sometimes. I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, how often do we really get to like talk about ourselves for a whole hour? Like there's, never. there's something you could do, Sarah, is you could, I know that you are one of the primary people that people can connect with, but I always feel like, I feel like people don't know where to go. I feel like they don't know who to, how to find someone great. I think that that is mm. one of the biggest struggles for women, couples, mothers, fathers, whoever it is in, in really seeking that type of a guidance is that they don't, 
know where to go. And it's like, well, I go online and I do a search and 500 people pop up. And, and then totally. when you're entering into a relationship like that with someone, there is so much trust and there is like, you have to develop that relationship. And I think you have to know that that person is going to be an okay or good enough, a good enough, at least to get going person in the, from the start, because right. it's so hard to tell your story and totally. to have to tell it over and over and over as you're trying to find someone that is the right fit for you is daunting. And I think that that keeps a lot of people from, um, from really moving in that direction and trying to, uh, find someone that can help them because they don't know where to, they don't know where to go. Totally. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, um, I have a favorite website, psychologytoday.com, and you can put your, like your zip code. And if you want to use insurance, like there's all these filters that you can put in and it's kind of like Facebook profiles <laughs> for therapists. Like you can go and see their picture and read their description and what they specialize in and all of those things. So I really like that, that you can kind of get a feel for someone before you yeah. even go in. Um, but so often people end up seeing a therapist that they don't really like, or they don't really connect with. And then they're like, counseling sucks. It's terrible. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But it's all about the relationship totally. And unfortunately, because of all the rules around counseling and confidentiality and HIPAA and all those fun things, mm -hmm. I can't see people in counseling that I have relationships with online. Uh, so, uh, mm, yeah, I learned something <laughs> new today. You're like, don't call me, Sam. <laughs> no, no, we can be friends. The, the, the thing is, is though I can do coaching, I just can't do counseling. Right. So I give lots of referrals out for counseling. I have a lot of people approach me and say, can I see you? And it's a conflict if I right. have an online relationship, but I can definitely give lots of good recommendations. But I love what you said about you keep, keep going, keep telling your story, keep doing it until you find the right person, even yeah. though it's daunting. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it's very important that you, I mean, you don't give up, like you keep going, you keep, because it's worth it because you're, because, okay, you know, you talk about everybody sees this, they see you or they see me now. And it's like, but this was a lot of work. <laughs> like, yeah been a lot of, a lot of tears, a lot of, um, on the bathroom floor, on my hands and knees, crying my eyes out, not knowing what was going on not knowing how to fix it. Feeling like I was never going to be beyond that point that I would always be here. This was always going to, you know, and totally. I think, I think that that was one of the, that was one of the biggest, um, uh, well, I'll tell you another big moment for me. That was a, a pivotal moment was childbirth, was giving birth to my, my first daughter. Um, and I had opted to, um, go the natural route and I, I succeeded, but it was very challenging and it was mostly mentally challenging. And I had an incredible birth doula and she, like, I feel like the, my birth experiences, at least that I have these people who have like become a part of my heart forever. And she is one of those people. Mm -hmm. uh, and 
in that for me, um, as I was so working through contractions, like very intense, very uncomfortable, you know, I don't always like saying painful because I think birth is, I think birth is such an empowering experience. Um, it can be for a lot of people. And I don't like perpetuating that, like just negative birth is negative. It's birth can be such a cool, cool, cool experience. And so as I was working through that, um, I remember just feeling really overwhelmed by like, this is going to take, what if this keeps going for hours? And I think I actually voiced that in some capacity, but that our birth doula looked at me and she was like, you can't think about that. You have to take each of these one at a time. So we will focus on this one. And then when this one is over, we will rest and we will relax and we will recover. And then we will deal with the next one and we will keep doing that. And we will just keep doing that. And that's all that we'll do. And it's like, wow, that was a huge turning point for me because my whole life I have spent trying to like, I start here and in this brain of mine, I would go, well, if I do this, then this is going to happen. And then this will happen. And then that's going to happen. Oh, and then that'll be horrible. And this will happen. And then here I am 10 years down the road. Life is miserable. I'm failing. It's the end of the world. Like, you know, and then, so this moment, then it's like, well, I'm not going to do anything because it's going to be, it's just going to be bad. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. None of my outcomes could ever be good in my brain. And that's weird. And I don't know if like, I don't know if people can relate with that. I'm sure there are yeah. a lot of people that can relate oh, to that. It's catastrophizing. I am a total right. catastrophizer. Yes. But that giving birth then was that opportunity for me. The first time that I had been challenged, that that thought process had been challenged for me where it was like, no, hmm. don't get to think about, you know, if this goes on for 20 hours or, you know, what if, what if I, you know, wind up with an emergency C-section or what if, you know, all of those negative things, it was like, no, you're just here in this moment, mm. this one right here, right now, be yeah. here, be present, handle what's going on around you right here in this moment, and then rest and recover from it and then get ready for the next one. Because mm. it's, I mean, that's life. <laughs> like that yeah. is, life. no matter how you slice it, that there are moments of challenge and you've got to be able to get in that moment and deal with that moment and then have that recovery period where you're able to maybe assess and see were there lessons in that that could be learned and then put on your big girl panties because there will be more that like mm -hmm. life is full of challenge. It is. And, and there's no other way around it. And you're either, you're either rolling with life and you're growing in it and you're, you're blooming <laughs> or you're, or you're dying. You really are. You're, um, I shared, did you see that quote that I shared, uh, like last week that talks about sometimes when you're, um, when you're in a dark place, you feel like you've been buried, but maybe you've been put there, um, to bloom. Mm. And so it's like just that perspective and being able to, to maybe shift a little bit on how you're thinking and being able to, um, just be in, be in that moment and respect where you're at and, um, and be okay with where you're at, but then be able to come out of it and, and rest and recover. And yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that. It's such a perfect analogy. I mean, it, it really, really is. And being able to be present and mindful and that we only have control over this present moment 
and no control over the future. I, yeah, and you're not alone. And you said that's weird. And I don't think it's weird because, <laughs> you know, sometimes you throw things out like that because you get vulnerable and you, you have like, <laughs> like, oh gosh, that's weird. No. So, well, I just want to validate you and say, <laughs> more slow claps for me today. But it's true. I, my brain works the same way. Like I, I go to, well, I think most people knowing as being a therapist, I hear people's deep, dark, you know, right. behind the scenes. And I can tell you that we pretty much all feel the same. Mm. It's just a matter of if we express it or not. Mm. And I think for me, and a lot of people I know, our brains automatically go to the worst thing that can happen. We catastrophize rather than looking at how can this turn out well, or what am I looking forward to, or the gratitude and all of these things that make such a huge difference. So I love that analogy, and I hope everybody comes back to that um, regularly right. because I think it's a great it's a great tool. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So I feel like this is just all gold, Samantha. So it really is. I mean, it really is. I, I, I thank you for being vulnerable here in this space too. Um, you, you did the hard work and, and you're an example of that. And you've talked about the hard things um, and, and you are a shining, beautiful example of how that looks on the other end. It's not, not everything's not 100% perfect and it never will be. However, look at where you are now and you're affecting women in such an amazing way to help encourage them to move forward and do the work and talk about the hard things. So thank you. Awesome. Thank yeah. You. So to wrap up, I, I'm going to ask you my questions. All right. Um, <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so what do you think has been the most vital to your growth? I think the thing that has been most vital to my growth really and truly has the first being facing the hard things and really finding help and asking for help and knowing when you need help. That that moment of being able to find find the person that was the right person for me to be working with to start working through um, some of the things I didn't completely understand about myself and why I felt the ways that I felt. And so that, that was probably one of the most vital starting places. But then as I continue in my own journey and in my growth, I cannot advocate more for, for listening to quality things or reading quality things. I do so much of my, um, personal development and personal growth via Audible because um, as a busy mom, I don't often have times to sit down and actually crack open a book and read it, even though I, you know, I love books and I know there'll be a season of my life again where <laughs> yeah. I'll be able to read more books. But for now, um, I can't, I think that is vital for my own growth is um, reading good books and listening to good podcasts and just growing my mind um, and making myself open to new and different information. I think those, those have been the things that have been most vital to my growth and my ongoing and continued um, growth as mm. well. I love it. Okay. So important. And I can give you a whole, my audible is jam packed. So if you <laughs> want 
suggestions, by all means, I'm happy to open up the Audible collection. Oh, like, I love right. it. I know you, you gave I'll me some. All my money. They can just have all my money. <laughs> but the really cool thing is that, you know, every, it's like every month you pay for the subscription and then you get credits to buy another, another book. So you, you know, I mean, yeah, it's like spending $15 a month to get another book and then it's in your account and you get to just have it forever. So, yeah, I love it. It's the only way I can read right now. Also. Yeah. Yeah, if I, right now in my life, if I lay down to or sit down to read, I fall asleep probably. <laughs> oh. Oh. I would say the one other thing as I'm talking, like as I'm saying this too, is finding quiet time and finding. I mean, I have been um, meditating pretty consistently now for uh, probably the last year, where I'm just um, and I use an app called Headspace that I love. Um, because I'm, I by no means am like this yogi guru where I sit down and I'm like, oh, but I use guided meditations and, and they're very basic and they're very, I mean, a lot of the packs are very similar, but for me to be able to take that time in the morning, first thing before my kids are up, before my husband's up to find quiet for myself. Um, I feel like that's something I do for all of us because it just, you know, it, it gives me a, a, a clear mind as I'm starting my day. Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing. It's just whether it's meditation, whether it's prayer. I mean, I have a combination of both daily devotionals, things like that, but just that quiet, mm -hmm. that quiet time for me in the morning. And I know it's not always possible at certain seasons of life. Like when I was in the thick of motherhood of the early days of like, I had a two-year-old, not even two-year-old and a newborn, like there wasn't time that I was making for myself to get up and do some meditation time in the morning. But, um, <laughs> you know, if there, if someone would have encouraged me to do that, I think it would have been really beneficial for me and some of those mm -hmm. days to, to even take just 10 minutes, like all of the meditations and headspace. It's like 10 minutes. Everybody has 10 minutes that they can carve out in their day to just sit down and, um, and clear their mind for a few minutes. So. Yeah. It's awesome. I, I agree. I've recent, well, that's not true. I still, I'm, yeah, I'm started meditating a long time ago for sleeping at night. Uh -huh. So maybe that's why it makes me tired because <laughs> mm -hmm. I've like <laughs> conditioned myself that it yeah. makes me go to sleep. Um, but holy moly, like I can lay down and go to sleep instantly now. And it's all yeah. thanks to meditation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But meditating during the day when I'm awake is a fairly newer thing for me. And so I think having the tools to help you through that is, it's so huge. But yeah, such a great way to get into this present mm -hmm. and, and listen to yourself. That's the biggest thing I think I've been using it for also is what do I even think about this? How do I feel separate from how everybody else feels or everybody else's messages or, you know, being yeah. able to tease those out. I think, uh, yeah, it's just huge. So well, also, and I know that we're trying to like wrap this up, but no, that's okay. Uh, we talk about the, the process of like catastrophizing, right. Where like one, one thought leads to another, which leads to another. And you have like this domino effect. And I feel like really meditation has helped me try to, to, train my brain to not do that as much that, mm. you know, that it's like, I can recognize that thought and I can see it as something that is, that is a part of my life, but then I can let it be <laughs> like, yeah. I can set it aside and I can know like, okay, that's, that's something <laughs> that's a little tidbit that maybe I need to look into a little bit more, but I don't have to, 
um, I don't have to let that run away with my whole thought process in my entire day that it can be like, totally. that is a thing. And then it can go on a shelf. It doesn't have to be all like, you know, I, I feel like so often it's like you have this thought and then this thought leads to this other. And then, and then you just, you, you totally lose where you're at in your day because you get distracted by this, this tangent. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, shut it down, put it on the shelf for later yeah, and, and be here. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And I, you know, as you're talking and I know I, we are trying to wrap up. <laughs> Just keep going. She's so good. Um, it reminds me though. I mean, we're, we're both sitting here talking about how we both have histories of childhood trauma. Um, that's a, that's a common thing to the catastrophizing and all of that. Uh, because your brain is living in a place of constant, I have to protect myself. I have mm -hmm. to um, make sure that I plan so that I am protected. So coming from that constant place of fear is, is a huge byproduct of the trauma. And so the meditation is huge 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 for interrupting that process mm, that's cool mm -hmm. yeah no look see i'm doing i'm doing it right I'm you're doing, doing it, it. <laughs> no it's awesome you're changing <laughs> your brain that's really what it's doing i mean it's awesome yes okay so um what's your question <laughs> I know, wait a minute where are we no there's only two so here's the second one what do you want to make sure that people know walking away from this interview? What do you want to make sure that they know? I think I would like for everyone to know that it is okay not to be okay. Hmm. And I, that's been something that has just, I mean, I, I had a pretty crazy spring and I know you were privy to a lot of that, but um, loss and death and things like that. And when you're somebody who, you know, is this bubbly, cheery personality on social media and all of those things that it's really hard to find like, well, how do you transition back into life? And how do you, but that one of the first things that I really shared is like, it's okay not to be okay. And yeah. I'm not okay right now. And, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, a lot of okays there, but, um, but it's okay. And, and, and that is like a first step in your journey towards, um, towards greater healing is just recognizing that you're not okay. Cause so often in our society, I feel like we walk around and, and people are like, how are you? And you're like, I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm, you know, like, or at least that's, that's totally. my, my default. A lot of times is it's like, well, how are you? I'm fine. I'm good. I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm totally okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm really okay. I'm so okay. It's like, no, you're not. You're not okay. And it's almost okay. like you're trying to convince yourself that you're okay rather than other people. <laughs> Have you seen Monsters University? <laughs> I haven't seen it. Okay, so um, Monsters University is hilarious, and there's like one of the monster uh, fraternities is is they're called they're 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 okay. So their jeer is like, we're okay. We're okay. It's like, <laughs> nice. That's awesome. I need to watch it. Yeah. I can't believe I haven't seen that one. It's a good one. It's actually, I love I Monsters think, Inc. I kind of almost like it more than Monsters Inc. Oh, really? I don't know. It's, it's really cute. It's like, it's the backstory of like Mike Wazowski and Sully and it's, it's really cute. It's really, 
Yeah. Okay, now we're all gonna go watch it. I know. You're all going to be like, we're okay. I love that though. I, I, I think you're so right. I mean, not until we can admit we're not okay and be okay with not. Yeah, it is a lot of okays. Be okay with not being okay. Can we really truly address it and, and then move forward? Because, um, there's a saying that says what you dismiss will persist. Mm. And I think that is so true. It's so, so true. So being okay with not being okay is saying, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to look at this. So it doesn't persist. Yeah. I would also like, I guess one other thing is just encourage people, you know, as I talked about being okay, being okay, but being in this moment and, and, and being okay in the moment as well, that you are where you're at for a reason and um you can't always understand why and what and and but just just being in this being here be here right now and um and be and be good with that and and respect yourself in that give yourself grace um just don't be so hard on you take care of you and uh and know that there is hope that there is that there is always hope that there is always a, that there is always a beautiful redemptive story in this process. I believe that with my whole heart, mm. this is a, a beautiful life. We get to live with a redemptive story and, um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm sorry too about your spring and everything that you went through. I know it was very hard. And the fact that you could say, this is where I'm at. It too, I think allows other people to support you. Mm -hmm. I don't think we ever get support if we can't say where we're really at too. Yeah. And, and so I'll, I'll let, I'll cue in your, your listeners a little bit that, um, we had a, a a death of a grandparent followed very quickly by the loss of our, um, of our dog tragically. Um, and he was like, he was 10 years old and he was our, our first baby basically. And it was a very traumatic loss of him. And, um, yeah, it was, it was hard, but by me, by me sharing that story, I had, I had hundreds of people commenting and sharing and saying, I have been in that moment and I feel for you. And I am just loving on you guys and praying for you and lifting you up and all those things. Like there is power in community and there is Mm. power people and prayer and, and positivity and just in allowing people to lift you up in your darkness. Um, there's power in that major way. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I, you're like making me tear up over here. I'm like, I still have to talk, (laughs) but it's true. It's true. It's so sad when people struggle alone. Yeah. Um, when there are so many people out there who want to to love on them and, and lift them up. And not until we say, this is what happened. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm dealing with. Can that, they really do that. Right. So, and then it's an opportunity as well for someone to, to share their story. And sometimes there's power in sharing your own story as well. Yeah. And so, so much. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm, thank you. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> two questions later. I know. Well, no, no, it's good because there's just so many, there's just so much wisdom and nuggets. And so I know that people are going to want to connect with you. I'll have your links to your social media and stuff in the show notes, but why don't you give people a quick rundown of how they can connect with you? I know there's a few different avenues and so they have that information coming from you as well. Absolutely. So one of the primaries is my blog, which is decidedly so and it's decidedly hyphen so.com. That's that's one of the primary places. But also social media, I mean Facebook, you can find me and I'm not a private account. I mean you can find me as Samantha Franzen on um, on Facebook and that is an area where I share a lot. That is where most of my shares my personal shares and things like that happen. And, and honestly, I don't feel like I have a filter on that because, you know, my story is, you know, here, here you've seen it all, like, or you've gotten at least a taste of it. And that is what I continue to try to do a lot really on my personal page as well. But then I'm also on Instagram and again, as decidedly so over on Instagram. So those are kind of the, the three places you can find me. People keep telling me I need to do stuff on Pinterest and I'm like, oh gosh, another social media platform. <laughs> I technically am on Pinterest, but I will be completely honest that I have nothing a lot over there. So, so anyway, I Instagram and understand Facebook. that. Yes. Well, awesome. Yes. I, I love seeing your stuff come across my social media and I know that anybody who connects with you will just be totally blessed with having that connection. So I really encourage everyone connect with Samantha. I was just going to try and say your last name again. Franzen. Now I'm always going to say it like the German way and people are going to look at me and be like, what the heck is wrong with her? <laughs> Franzen. 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 Okay. Brandon. I'm going to get off here and say it over and over and over. So it's like <laughs> stuck in your brain forever. I know. But seriously, on a serious note, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your heart and who you are and the hard, because I think we, we learn from it and, and it's blessed all of us to hear your story. So thank you so much. You are welcome. And thank you. Thank you for the opportunity again to be on here and to share and to, you know, hopefully do my part in just continuing to um, inspire, uplift and encourage other women. Cause I know that that's what you're all about. And um, so to be a little part of that and your journey and your, your process as well is an honor to me. So thank you. Oh my goodness. Ah, oh, didn't you just love that? <laughs> I know I did. Samantha is such a gift and definitely is a huge encouragement to us all to do the hard work and talk about the hard things. Now you can find her on her blog, decidedlyso.com. And this is super exciting. We were both recently chosen to be a part of the contributing founders team for the Northern Colorado Moms blog. We didn't even know that we were both chosen until we got on to record this podcast. <laughs> so that's super, super cool. So you will be able to find her work on the NoCo Moms blog when it launches in August. You can follow us both over there as well. 
I also really encourage you to connect with her on Facebook and Instagram. The links to those pages are in the show notes. There's lots of awesomeness coming from her over there. So thank you for joining us on this episode. I hope you're so inspired by Samantha's story and it gives you the push you need to start stepping into your truth. You have a redemption story as well, my friends. So remember, your story makes you who you are. Speak your truth, grow constantly, rise above, and always know that you are not on this journey alone. See you next time.